Hey guys, I know you're not used to hearing my voice first. This is Chi from the Chi and Khalil Show. This episode ends a two-part series on a controversial topic, namely corporal punishment. Some of the content may be triggering, so consider this a trigger warning, especially for those who have been victims of physical child abuse, violence in the home, or violence at the hands of a parent, adult, or some figure in authority. We also want to give acknowledgement to Dr. Sandra Patton, author of Spare the Kid, whose research in the area of corporal punishment, especially as it relates to Black communities, is second to none. I really liked what you said about, about you know, making the different choices, but there was a word that you used, misbehaving, that I think of when, when I was seeing patients, um, especially in the adolescent medicine clinic, that misbehaving is really just testing boundaries. This is um, one of those words like, oh, I was punishing my child because they were misbehaving. They were testing boundaries. Once you change it to testing boundaries, now you parent have an option. You can say, okay, well, they were trying to see if they could cross you know, this line. That's a line that they're not gonna cross. We're going to help them make a different choice so that they can begin to respect the boundaries that you also have as a parent. Like That's how you build trust. That's how you build a relationship. But as soon as we, and, and what I'm emphasizing here is language, as soon as we call it something other than it is, it triggers, the connotation trigger, triggers something in our brains that makes us feel like, oh, we have to stop this right now. If the person is testing boundaries, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, oh, you're trying to do this? Oh, ha, ha, ha. this is what we're going to do to, to address that rather than try and punish or create this um, violent thing. But I did also want to share that like my, my sister-in-law does this thing that I totally love. Like I even do it with adults now. It's like, make a different choice, make a different choice. <laughs> right. So, you know, toddler, you're speaking to toddler, right? Like my nephew is three years old, three and a half years old. Um, but even when my niece was uh, younger, you know, like, you know, they would get into something they're not supposed to get into or mm -hmm. they would start crying and you're just like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> and it's like, and and my, my brother and his wife will always say, you know, make a different choice. Make a different choice. You have another like choice. That. What other choice do you want one. to make? I'm still in that one. Oh, Thanks. It's like, oh, wait, I can't. It just gives you so much power, Khalil. Like it right. gives the kid power. Like, wait, I can make a different choice. There are options. I don't just have to cry or be mad or stomp my foot or, you know, make a make a sad face. I may be angry, but I can make a different choice and use my anger differently. Right. And that mm -hmm. also makes it so that they, too, are like, OK, I can make a different choice. <laughs> I can make a different choice right now. This kid. Oh, my gosh. But I'm making a different choice because, hey, it's all relationships. But violence has no place in any relationship. I mean, that's that's kind of basic. I don't understand right. how we had to talk about that, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah that know, could have been it. I'm... That could have been the whole that could have been the whole podcast. Violence doesn't belong in any relationship. Don't hate your kids. We out. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> because people want to argue. <laughs> well the other thing is that this is some tradition that's so deeply ingrained in people's heads that mm -hmm. even after they listen to us, they'll probably just be like, These people are crazy. Right. or whatever they're gonna keep doing what they're doing i think there's only been one person i've ever convinced to stop doing it one of the other things you touched on earlier was the biblical term mm. so i'm gonna go ahead and let you talk about your peoples and how the bible tells them <laughs> to do this or talk about do my this. christian friends your folks your peoples uh. you peoples you peoples <laughs> no it's it's special like because they will go to um and this is the verse this is the number one verse in Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity, 
but also in the black church used to support beating children or being violent towards children. And it is just banking Proverbs 1324. <laughs> he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. So let me translate that into modern day English. The guy that refrains from using a stick on his son hates him. The guy that loves his son instructs him in the way to go. And that is the, the verse that they'll use for um, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. And it's completely false. I mean, like just looking at, if you go back to the Hebrew transliteration, the word that is used for rod is, um, is actually basically the, the stick, you know, that shepherds use to help guide sheep because they don't beat a good shepherd does not beat his sheep. This is why Jesus Christ was always talking about sheeps and lambs and who's a shepherd. They do not beat their sheep. That stick, that rod that they use or the, the crooked rod that they use is meant to guide. So like to steer in a certain um, way. So you can imagine then if you spare that rod, if you don't use that rod to help guide, you really don't like your kid. That's it. It's not saying go and beat the child, go and beat the child at all. It's just saying, if you love your kid, you're going to guide them. If you love your kid, you're going to show them the way. If you hate your kid, go ahead and beat them. But Proverbs 13, 24 is not saying that. So when the black church... That's a lot better oh, than... I was going to say, your, your explanation is a lot better than mine. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so when the black church talks about... And, and this goes from the ministers on TV to the ones that I've even worked with talk about, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with beating a child because spare the rod, spoiled child, right. BS. They're basically, <laughs> they're basically not quoting Bible. They're quoting Christian slave masters, which is right. white slave masters. Yeah. They are quoting, which is the colony, colonialization. Yeah, That's who they're quoting. Yeah. And that belief that, um, that children deserve this sort of uh, violent behavior in order to keep them in line is not a distinctly West African, African sort of thing to do. I think you said this earlier. This is very much something that came with the Europeans into the Americas, both North America and South America. And they equated slaves with children. They equated mm -hmm. slaves with children and then used their biblical knowledge and whatnot to justify it. And then taught their slaves the same thing. The slaves who came over here, and I was reading this in, in Dr. Patton's book because I thought, wow, this is really, you know, whenever it comes to slavery or colonialism, this is the stuff I studied in, in, um, in undergrad. And it always, it fascinates me just how idiotic the whole idea of racism is. <laughs> But that when these guys came over, when were brought over, when Africans were brought over, the predominant, after a while, the predominant demographic were children. And these children right. did not come with the full adult knowledge or wisdom of their heritage. So it was very easy right. to teach them the way to be right in this country. And the way to be right in this country had to be enforced through violence. That slave was now a child. And in European society, that child was 
property, not a human being. Right. So now the slave right. is a property and not a human being. And that belief system has been carried and carried and carried, perpetuated through the church to the point where they're like, okay, Proverbs 13, 24, if the white master said it's okay, then it's okay for us. And that is why <laughs> at the top of the show, you said the whitest thing you could do is beat your children. That's where it came from. Especially your black children. Your black children. Your black children. <laughs> like, honestly, Khalil, who? So y'all, pardon the ice cream truck in the background during this conversation. But I mean, I would just go get some ice cream <laughs> if I was you, to be honest. <laughs> no, but all this conversation oh. makes me, the question it makes me ask is, who gets to be a child in America? Right? Who gets to be the child? And at a point, the child was not a good thing right? The child was the slave and that child right. was beaten. That child was, mm -hmm. had no rights. That child was three fifths of a person, right? And then over time, that child got whiter and whiter and whiter. And the idea of this time period where children or people need to be safe and protected became a thing, but it was only a thing for certain groups. Right. I mean, even before we had child abuse on the books and child labor laws, we were talking about protecting dogs and cats. Right. right. You know, like children were just at the bottom of the totem pole. So please, anybody who's saying like, oh, no, we love children. B.S. Who gets to be a child in America now when we talk about, oh, children should be innocent and this, that and the other. and We should protect them. Only a certain group of people get that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. people assume that you only discipline your kids for things that are really important. From one of my personal experiences, my dad <laughs> asked me to get something from like the TV stand. Mm -hmm. And he used to keep rolled joints under the TV stand. Oh my right? God. Like five or six. I don't even know what they are. He just pointed over there and said, get this. And I just got up to get it. And I come back with a joint and he just starts yelling and screaming. And I'm like, hmm. brah, like you said, go yes. pick that up. I, you know, I don't know what it was over there. Maybe I picked up the wrong thing. Like, is this really, is this an appropriate reaction? Like, okay. but the thing is that it makes me, even to this day, like I still have issues of where I'm terrified of people's reaction. Like if I do the wrong thing, like, is this hor some horrible thing going to happen? Yes. Right. And I know you claim that like, you know, I've been screaming this since I was forever that we should stop hitting kids. But like, I had really no clue yeah. about how affected I was. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize, like, I mean, now I do realize some of um, how it's given me dysfunctional behaviors, mm -hmm. but like back then I had no clue in how dysfunctional I was. Right. Um, and I got through because it's probably because reading helped me escape all the drama. Mm -hmm. So I read a gazillion things, amount of things. So I was really good in school because I had read a hundred books a day. <laughs> so it looked like I was functional because, you know, I went, went to, I got a, uh, college scholarship i went to an excellent medical school graduate degrees from really elite schools i went to a really like um you know competitive residency program etc because i was getting things done yes. but i wasn't actually in a functional adult yes but you learned how to get things done like it's almost like that that violence and this is and this is where parents will say see see it worked but, but it didn't, it didn't, it was like, I found the space and I'm not trying to speak for you, but it's like, I figured out how to make sure that people don't hurt me. But in trying to Yo. do that, I, I survived, but I don't know if I became a very functional adult. 
you know, people ask me like, why'd you go all the way from San Jose to Florida school? And yes. I'm like, tell the truth. They gave me money, and I was like, yo, I can get out the house, yes. and all I gotta do is read some books and take some tests, and I got a place to stay, and I can do what I want. Mm. Sign me mm. up. Mm. Actually, my mom had to sign the the consent because I was only seventeen. 17. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky. <laughs> So yeah, I'm lucky. I had a good mom who let me, who, who realized that I have to make my own decisions yes. about my life. Yes, she about didn't want me to go to school there. But yeah, yeah. Well, you know but, what yeah. you were saying about the 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 sensitivity. Like there was an article a friend of mine um, sent a while ago. Not it wasn't even an article. It was a post on Facebook about the ask culture versus the guest culture, where right. like yeah. you have the ask people who are very direct and they're just like, "Hey, I'd like to stay over at your house." And then you have the guest culture who they don't ask directly, but they they start overthinking things in order yeah. to get the answer, to create the highest probability that they'll get the answer that they are looking for, because it is too scary to just ask for what you need, you right. know? And, that, and it's also scary for them for just say no, right? Yes. To not ask for something that you think is going to be appropriate. Yes. And then when someone asks ask them for something, they get really upset that they're asking for something they don't want to give. Yeah. When all you can have to say is no. All you have to say is no. But you learn that as a kid. You learn that in your house through these these violent acts. Because right. if you say no, oh, wait a sec. Did you say no to me? Didn't I just ask you to wash those dishes? You say no. Oh, you. Speaking to me like this. Oh, there's just... I'm just saying. Chisaraku came out. Chisaraku no, it's hard. has now come to the Chi and Khalil show. <laughs> Welcome to the Chi and Khalil show. Welcome. And, and it's weird because that happens when I start thinking about because that's the sound of my parents, right? But like, yeah. you know, washing the I don't want to wash the dish. Hey, did you say that? Bum? You know, like, that's real. That's real. So you learn to not want to, you don't want to ask questions or say something that's going to be the negative because you do not know what the reaction will be. So in, in just researching this topic, right? Like <laughs> I found out that the convention, and I, I'm sure I knew this before, but the convention on the rights of the child was this whole thing that they had in 89 with the United Nations, right? So like you've got like okay. whatever countries, states, you know, signing this document that says violence against children is wrong in a nutshell. And we will not uphold it in any of our institutions. We will basically ban right. it. Guess who's not on that list? The United States. Of America, right? Yeah. Like, completely not on it. They signed it. 1995, they signed it. But they did not ratify it. Meaning they, they have not codified it or said, like, that's something that we need to do. That is American arrogance. MFers are out here right. trying to say that, you know, LGBTQIA people can't live in their own homes. I but think, but it's okay to beat your child. I think it's more I think it's more of beating your children makes them submissive to the capitalistic culture in general. Um, but that's yeah, I can go off on my Marxist theories all the time. But yeah, you want like most of school education is not to teach you to think; it's to teach you to follow the rules. Yeah, and to make you be able to read enough to be able to work. But there's no there's very little. It's rare that they actually teach you how to think or to mm -hmm. think critically about things. And if you, that's why you, if yeah. you look at history, like we're fed a whole bunch of nonsense that breaks down really easily. Like our whole yeah. American revolution, like mm. there's another popular opinion. 
it sucked for America. There's no reason to have an American revolution. No, seriously. Just like every other war, it was mm -hmm. so the rich people in the United States wanted to keep more of their wealth and not send taxes back to the king. So they got all mm. the poor people in the United States to go and fight a bunch of poor people from England who had no other way to, to feed themselves other than to be in the military. And a bunch of them killed each other until someone decided like, hey, it's not worth it. So you can keep your little things because I'm spending more money trying to get them than, than I'm going to get out of it. But like mm. some of the bullshit things that, that came out of it was, you know, it's taxation without representation so that the people in the United States couldn't vote. Right. Right. And that's not right, because when you live in a country, you should be able to um, control the government or participate in government. Hmm? So after the revolution, what percentage of people were allowed to participate in the government? Oh, no. Somewhere between <laughs> five to eight percent. Right. So you had to be white. You had to be yes. male. You had to be yes. Protestant and you actually yes. had to be wealthy. So, yeah. so right. And not just like a little bit, you had to actually own a lot of property. So mm. 90, like 7% of the people who had to undergo like destruction of like their families, other people dying, etc., got no participation in government. So why did you go kill yourself? Right. The American <laughs> government doesn't want you to stop hitting your kids. They want you to hit your kids. So that way, when you see a police officer beating the crap out of someone in the street, you just think, that person wasn't behaving. The person in power put him in place. Exactly. Right. Instead exactly. of joining the revolution and saying like, hey, when we have a police brutality protest and they come out beating the shit out of people, like mm -hmm. we're not going to be mad about Target getting the windows broken. We're going to be mad right. about the police after killing someone in broad daylight, come out yep. with killing more people in yep. the protest. Yep. It goes back to that story you said about the toddler and the mother who was trying to force it to eat and then beat the teddy bear. Right. But it's literally the exact same thing. Right. You're happy that this person in power showed the person who was vulnerable what their place was. And they threatened and this is why they were scared. Right. And this is why, and this is why many white people and some some colored folk too have a very hard time believing. No, let me let me say it this way. This is why the first question out of their mouth is, but did they do something wrong? Right. <laughs> and no matter how many times you say, what? I mean, like that, that, even if that's the first question that you're going to ask, there's no answer that's going to satisfy you because that was the first question you asked. And yeah. if it's not the first question, it's the second question or it's the one you're thinking. They must have done something wrong to deserve that. Yep. That is violent behavior. That is violent thinking. That is thinking that does not support sort of this equitable society that we keep talking about wanting to have or America aspires to. Yeah. And a lot of times it's nonsense of like picking up the wrong thing or even mm. like some of my interactions with police that almost ended up deadly. Like I was eating donuts in my car, in my mom's car as a teenager. So you're saying like a teenage boy who's like 17 mm. eating mm -hmm. donuts mm. in his mother's Toyota Corolla is worthy of almost getting killed like right. teenage boys are hungry what normal person would come up to a car see a teenage boy eating donuts mm. and think there's something wrong with this like oh there must be something else going on mm. you know what i mean like <laughs> i mean think about it maybe it's generational um i was gonna say generational trauma but racism hurts white people too yeah. but like 
it's just it's 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 in the DNA, and I don't mean this to mean right. that there's something genetic. That um, Doc, Professor Irving argues that, and I'll let her argue that because I think she has some points there. Um, she's the one who wrote the book, The History of White People. If right. you haven't checked it out, yeah. Out. Anyway, but that like trauma follows through the DNA, right? Well, the person beating the other person is also receiving a certain kind of trauma. Right. It just manifests itself differently. And that gets passed down through the DNA, right? right? So now you've got this white officer who sees this black kid and all he remembers is everything his father said and his father said and his father and his father's father said, you know, that kind of thing. And instead of meeting and being present in this moment, right? No, he's, he's going to hark on his 500, 600 years of crazy and put it all into this one kid. Right. And that gives him the right to take this kid's life. Mm -mm. The the AAP came out with a statement back in November, just a few months, well, not a few months ago, November of last year. And in it, they were basically saying, look, we are so anti-violence against children. And, you know, it's, a, it's, it's about corporal punishment and discipline. And there was a contingent of Black pediatricians who were oh. not happy with oh, it. Yeah. Okay. Not happy with it. Yeah. And the biggest criticism that they had was that, well, there were there were a couple. It was layered, and I get where they're coming from here. This is what it was. One is there was not a distinction between spanking and child abuse. Pause, don't say nothing, Khalil. <laughs> <laughs> there was not a difference between spanking and child abuse. Number okay. two. <laughs> the folks who were writing and putting this policy out were not necessarily reflective of the people who are going to be vilified by said policy. So in layman's terms, it was white folks who were writing this policy and the black folks are going to look bad. Number three, black pediatricians not feeling comfortable having to talk about anticipatory guidance related to spanking with parents, especially black ones. They figure the white ones are doing timeout, but even that's a misnomer because I had plenty of white families where the parents were not doing timeouts. They spanked their kids. Right. Okay. Those were their, their three big issues. Uh, and there were more, but those were the three that I, that I saw. And I said to myself, wow. So even amongst them, and this is young and old, this is not just, um, this is not just, you know, the, the 60 and 70 year old uh, pediatricians out there. Um, but even the young ones saying like, man, this is undue targeted attention on black people and the way they raise their kids. And I'm thinking, absolutely it is. And I, and, and, and not in a, and not in a racist way. Like I disagree with the fact that white people wrote it and, and it looks like it's targeting black people, that that's a problem. I'm glad somebody wrote it. <laughs> I'm glad so I'm glad the pediatrician who right. took a Hippocratic oath saying first do no harm were willing to say that. Yes, our systems, foster care system, child protective service systems are all biased yep. against brown and black people. 100%. Yeah, for sure. The, these folks are going to go to jail or get reprimanded or have their kids taken taken away at higher rates than white families who are committing more abuse technically technically because there there's a lot more of them in this country anyway, right? So yes, that's 100% it. That does not mean 
Just because they're being racist on the other side of the system, on the system that's supposed to protect children, doesn't mean we have to be traumatizing in our house. Yeah, there's actually supposed child care development specialists who are black who claim that black children don't suffer the same consequences that white children do when they're hit. What? Wait, wait, wait. No, elaborate before I start going off. Elaborate. So it's just like the, you know how people think that black people have thicker skin and don't feel pain the same way? It's that same fucking theory. But anyway, we'll talk about that last time. But one of the other things I wanted to piggyback on is like when you're talking about having to suffer violence as a black person outside of the home, um, Mm -hmm. like having it in the home doesn't help. And since like 2013, there's on average around 400 kids every year killed by their parents. Mm. So it is a real thing that when you start thinking that you own your children and you own their bodies and you can physically assault them, it leads to 400 kids a year getting killed by their parents. So there's a lot of kids every year getting killed by their parents. Hmm. So we should stop, 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 stop. But, but see, but see, Khalil, somebody's going to say, well, but, but that's child abuse. What I'm doing is not child abuse. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I guess I have to be one of those, one of those who disagrees, disagrees because it's just like, it's just like autism is on a spectrum, right? But it's still autism. Right. Abuse is on a spectrum. It's still abuse. Yeah. yeah there's a Hitting your kid yeah. is on a spectrum. Yeah. It's still hitting your kid. Yeah. Fraud and like, and theft, there's a spectrum. Like you could still steal $5 from somebody or you could mm-hmm. still like 500 million. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is that when people use these euphemisms like spanking or whooping, like mm-hmm. that's bringing you away from the reality of it's physical violence toward a child. So like, what are we going to do now? Like say you, you thought all of our stuff is nonsense. The next time you hit your child, I want you to think about the conversation you're going to have with them as an adult about why you couldn't think of a way to convince your toddler, your teenager to make a different choice outside of physically harming them. And I just want you to think about that the next time you try to discipline your child. If you're going to think that, hold on to your thoughts about this is the only way to go and do it. Try to think of that that conversation is going well. And then also think about when you're in a retirement home, do you want them hitting you mm. when they're mm. the now the stronger person and you're in a vulnerable state and you're doing something they don't like? Mm. Anyways. Huh, do you want that same behavior being exacted on you? And the answer should always be no. Then if it's no... Don't do it to your kids. Right. And also, like, do you want your boss to be able to hit you because you show up five minutes late to work? Mm, Do you want your boss to hit you because they think the report you wrote wasn't right? Do you want your boss to hit you because you didn't take someone's order correctly? Like, none of these other situations are ever, we ever think there's appropriate use of violence. So why do we think it's okay with our to try to guide our children's actions. It doesn't make any sense. Wait a second. But that, ju- that brings up a, a, a whole nother thing. Khalil, like the first thing I thought when you asked that question was, you know, wait, are you treating me like a child? <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> right. Like you're not worth the, You're not worth as much as a regular human. Right. That's, yeah. Adult, yeah. Adult supremacy, childism. You know, when, when somebody says that to you and you say, or I said, or thought like, am I a child? It goes back to sort of the West African or the African tradition, and I don't know how specific it was, but that children were venerated. Children were seen as human beings. Children were seen as gateways to the past, even. 
I know that in Igbo culture, um, we have names that sort of signify somebody who has recently passed. Um, okay. Like the name Namdi means my father lives. And prior to colonialism, that name still existed, but it wasn't in reference to some like Christian God, which now people will say my father lives and think of God as the father. Right. But before it could easily and traditionally was used to name a boy who came right after somebody prominent in the family or good in the family had passed hmm. a man. Right. Right. So that person's spirit lives on. There was something about children valuable in pushing forward a new generation. And so the idea that there, that you would punish or beat them for anything was not common. At a point, children did have power. And over time, because children became equated with this idea of blackness, which started from whiteness, which was to create sort of this hierarchy in society, children became less than. Right. Anyway. The children are just commodity, right. Yeah, children are just a commodity. Yo, this was this was tough, but I'm I'm hoping that um this conversation that we had together will help somebody else, you know, decolonize their mind. Right. Cuz really this is where it starts in the home, right? In your body and in the home. And we know it's probably not going to be a popular uh discussion with a lot of our viewers, but it no. is what it is. But feel free to leave your comments um on the gram, the Facebook, uh wherever you you find the podcast. But yeah. There is no place for violence in any relationship, whether it's parent to child, adult to child, person to person, whatever, whatever the configuration of relationship, there is no need for violence in a relationship. This is the Chi and Khalil show. We out. Hold it down one time for the West Side. Peace. For more information on this topic, please visit our podcast page. There we've provided links to resources that can help.